Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. A reading from the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea. And its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the autumn rains, because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locust and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you, you'll have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked the wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God. And there is no other, never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Almighty and gracious God, we gather to worship and to praise you, and as we do so, O Lord, we humbly ask that you would speak to our hearts. Speak to them in such a way that we would clearly hear your words and go forth from here as doers of your word. In your Son's holy name we pray, amen. So my sophomore year at Davidson in the fall semester, I took a class called Finite Math and Computer Programming. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I loved it. I mean, it's probability work, the whole nine yards. But low about October, I noticed from my perch three quarters of the way in the back, things didn't seem so clear. Matter of fact, the board seemed to be a little fuzzy. I found myself sort of squinting to get clarity. 
They're sitting next to my fraternity brother, Bill Smith, who is the coffee king of Birmingham, Alabama. And Bill, at some point, one of those days, he took his glasses off and he set them down beside him and he was rubbing his eyes. And I looked over at Bill and I said, Bill, do you wear the glasses to see the board or to read? He goes, dude, I'm as blind as a bat if I don't have them on. The board is just fuzzy. And I said, let me borrow those. And I put them on and lo and behold, like the whole new world opened up to me. Things that I was squinting to see and guessing at were really right there in black and white on the chalkboard. And I looked at Bill and I said, Bill, these work really well. Bill says to me, you're nearsighted. I took those words to, to heart and went to see an optometrist and I walked in and said, Doc, I'm having trouble seeing far away. Now this is the medical advice I got. You're nearsighted. The coffee king has already told me this. Tell me something new, Doc. But anyway, so we went through the whole better, worse, better, worse, better, worse thing. And I came out of that experience with glasses. I could see everything. I could see where I was going. It was crystal clear. Now you got to fast forward about 20 years. And one day I noticed when I was reading the newspaper that I was having to do this with it. And I thought to myself, this isn't good. I went to see the doctor. The doctor says, well, guess what? You need reading lenses. I said, how does that happen? He goes, again, another piece of wise medical advice. I know your doctors have said this to you sort of to, to soften the blow, and I appreciate this, but it's really frustrating. Well, you're getting to the age where dot, 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 dot. I seem to be hearing that more and more, but anyway, it's a whole other issue. But I got progressive lenses, so now I can see clearly straight ahead and right here. Hallelujah. But what I got thinking about this was, you know, this ability to see, to be able to focus on what is in front of me and on where I need to go, that's the gift. It's a gift that these lenses give to me and to help me see exactly what it is I'm trying to do or where I'm trying to get to. The prophet Joel that Libby just read from, Joel is a minor prophet. He, he doesn't have a whole lot to say. It's a very narrow focused message. As a matter of fact, you could read the whole book of Joel in an afternoon. It's just three chapters. But what Joel is doing is he is talking to the people. He is calling to them to repent of their ways and turn back to God. Specifically in today's selection, Joel promises that if they repent and if they turn back, that there will be a renewal, a rebirth amongst the people. There will be a restoration of their relationship with God and that God will fill our hearts to the overflowing and that God will bring peace and prosperity. Now, the people understood this peace and prosperity in sort of a geopolitical and, a, and in a personal level where there was going to be peace amongst each other, there would be prosperity amongst the land. But make no mistake about it, there is a theological and an emotional dimension to this peace and prosperity. When we build that relationship back up with God, all things will be new again, and it will all be this great relationship. And the text leads to this crescendo that we heard, where in that day when God pours out those blessings upon all the people, he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, 
and I will pour my spirit out upon all my servants, male and female alike. And the wonders of heaven will be clearly seen. And I will be there in a column of smoke. Sort of hearkening back to the days of the Exodus where God was leading the people through that column of smoke and the pillar of fire. See, it's a message that Joel writes of hope and promise that as the people turn back towards God, that their hearts, their very souls, their very spirits will be filled and will be focused to see where it is that God is calling them to be. And so it bursts forth sort of this theological 2020 vision for ministry. And for us, as we see it right here in our midst, we begin to realize the text is saying the same thing to us. A message that we need to be reminded for living lives of faithful discipleship. The text that serves sort of as a lens to focus with clarity and purpose what it is that we're to do. And that when focused, the text shows us all the possibilities of our calling and the task that God has laid out for us. They become these dreams and visions that propel our lives, propel our ministry, push us forward as a congregation. Joel, in the text, he's challenging us on our journey of discipleship. Last week, as we shared together the Wesley Covenant service, we were called to realize that our need for discipleship was very evident in front of us, that we needed to reform it, that we needed to yield our lives and to do what Christ calls us to do because God knows what's best for us. Just this week alone, one of our own has sent me an email and she said, you know, I think God's calling me to do a, a Bible study and, and, and to lead one and I am probably the least equipped to do it, but I feel this passion in my heart and I just think that God's calling this to me. I think that I'll, God will give me the tools. Remember, God calls and equips us. God doesn't just call the equipped, God equips the called. But see, that's the first part of it. The second part, as we talked about last week, was putting Christ first in our lives where everything is under the lordship of Christ, where we sort of refocus our lives and that we use our resources, our time, our energy, our talents for Christ first. And in doing that, we sort of upend the world schedule, but we begin to grow deeper in our relationship. And then finally, we seek Christ's guidance in everything that we do, not only as individuals, but also as a congregation. We begin to focus on that. And when we do that, we begin to realize that we have this need, sort of this spiritual myopia, where we are so closely focused, nearsighted wise, that we need to see God's clarity for the world out in front of us. And so as we grow deeper in our discipleship, we begin to realize that we need God to show us the vision for the future. And so we begin to seek what, how might we find that? What might be the lenses that we focus that vision through? And as we deepen that relationship, we begin to realize the vision is sort of the ministry and the purpose that God calls us to in our community. It becomes very clear to us, almost like a corrective lens. 
See, we know that the mission of the church is to follow Jesus, to make disciples and transform the world. And if this mission becomes foundational to what we do as a congregation, but also as to how we live our lives, then we have got the focus that we need. We have the lens through which to interpret our discipleship, our ministry, our whole purpose of being. We begin to realize that we need to love Jesus with our whole hearts. We need to follow Jesus intently no matter where we go. That we need to share Jesus with everyone we meet, not only in our words, but in our deeds and our actions. And we show the world what it means to be followers of Christ. And that when we do that, we begin to see the world change around us. And if just a few minutes and in 30 minutes or so, the leaders of our church, our church council meet for their annual retreat downstairs in the auditorium and they will take this mission statement to follow Jesus, make disciples for the transformation of the world. And they will use that as the foundation for all of the ministries that we are going to do here at Centenary over the next year or so. This will be the foundation by which we interpret all of the events, all of the actions, all the classes, everything, so that we are doing the best that we can to live fully into who God calls us to be. But see, not just as an institution, but also as individuals. And when we finally, we take that clarity of purpose, that corrective lens of a mission statement, and we begin to focus it, we begin to see our eyes opened clearly and wide and begin to see sharply the things in front of us far away and right in our hands and faces. And we begin to see that kind of clarity. We begin to take note of the world around us. Now, many of you have been following along with me the story of what is happening in the news uh, that is coming out of leaders in our denomination and about our future. These are interesting times for us, for sure, as a church, as a congregation, but overall as a global entity. And we won't know all of it until after General Conference. But, you know, I will tell you that my personality complex is such that, that I'm a fixer. I'm a problem solver. That's just naturally who I am. So if there's a problem, I want to fix it. If something's broken, I want to tinker with it to see if we can make it work again versus just tossing it out and going and buying something new. So there's this part of me that really wants to fix all of the problems of our denomination. But what I've begun to realize is that this is really not my problem to fix. This is not my work to fix it. And don't get me wrong, we're not going to sort of put our heads under the sand and act like it doesn't exist. But see, the church is God's. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. And so Christ is the one that will fix this. Christ is the one that will call us forth and show us the way on how we can get past this impasse so that we can be focused on ministry. But what I've understood is that if it's not mine to fix, then what is my task? What is our task right here? And I think that what Christ calls us to do is to focus on our purpose, to focus on following Jesus, about, about making disciples, about changing the world right here. Right here at Centenary United Methodist Church, right here in Winston-Salem, to do, be the most loving congregation, the best disciple-making congregation, the best world-changing congregation that we can be right here in Winston-Salem. See, I think the local church is the strength of God's kingdom. It's the institution that can have the greatest effect on the world, 
No other institution can do what you and I know the local church can do. If you take a dollar and you put it in the collection plate, it will have more world-changing power than putting a dollar anywhere else in the world around us. If you take an hour of your time and you devote it through the ministries of this church, it will have a greater world-changing effect here than anywhere else in the world. The same thing with your gifts and our talents. If we will employ those for the sake of the gospel right through the ministries of this church, we can make the change that God calls us to. And here's what I know. I know that the world needs what we have to offer. I know that Winston-Salem needs what the people of Centenary United Methodist Church have to offer to it. And all we need to do is to invest ourselves in that, to pour ourselves heart, mind, and soul into that. Because what I know is that we are a unique congregation. We are unique people. If you look to the person next to you on the pew, they have a gift that you don't have. Guess what? You have a gift they don't have. And if we took all of our gifts and we put them on the table and we said, Lord, use us in this place at this time, God will say, okay. And the difference that we can make is world changing. To take the skills and the talents and the special duties and opportunities that God puts in front of us, if we focus on those in light of our mission statement, we will change the world. And we have that clarity of purpose, that focus on mission, and we're looking at our gifts and talents, and we start to look at the world around us, we begin to dream dreams and have visions for improving human dignity, for faith formation, for deepening our praise of God, for caring for a hurting world, for transformative outreach ministries. And that, my friends, makes God smile. That, my friends, is what God calls us to when God pours his spirit out upon each of us, male and female, young and old, to dream dreams and to have visions, is to have a vision that we would change the world around us. So my prayer for our congregation, my prayer for Centenary, my prayer for you and for me, is that in 2020, that we would have a clear, a laser-focused 2020 vision by drawing closer to God through intentional discipleship, by being focused on our mission to change the world and being able to see where God is calling us to go and to be willing to go there. Because the world needs what the people of Centenary United Methodist Church already know and already possess in this walls. The world needs our commitment our time, our talent, our spirit, our conviction of heart. So I hope that you will join me in this prayer and that we will open our eyes so that we might clearly see where it is that God is calling us to go and the work that is right in front of us and that we would be about our master's business, dreaming dreams and sharing visions. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.